Welcome to the Configure Price Code podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCPQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Quote, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. I'm excited to announce Daniel Naus as my guest today. Daniel is the CEO of ConfigAir, a company that provides visual capabilities for SAP solutions. Daniel has 20 years of experience working with product configuration and CPQ solutions, and he is an entrepreneur at heart. He is currently the CEO of ConfigAir, and before ConfigAir, he founded and ran Eastline, was with HP, and did a bunch of other things. Welcome, Daniel, to the CPQ podcast. Thank you, Frank. Happy to be here. Daniel, full disclosure here, we have known each other since 2000, and I very much appreciate your, your deep knowledge of the CPQ space. But uh, please tell our listeners how you got started working with product configuration and CPQ. Uh, it is a bit of a mouth, mouthful, isn't it? Like product configuration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually was lucky enough to start in this area already right out of college. So this was one of my first serious jobs. And uh, uh, in my career, I've come across configurators of all sorts and kinds. And a lot of those, uh, people won't be surprised, are actually based on like something like Microsoft Excel. So I'm guilty as charged myself because that was one of my first jobs, actually, to build some Excel-based configurators for for production of uh, computers in the factories. And so and uh, back then... Um, It was late 90s, and uh, that's when we got to know each other, Frank. And, and we, we were uh, working for a large computer manufacturer, and uh, the challenges were how to sell what used to be a fixed box that a, the customer would get from a reseller or a distributor, how to sell a customized solution already, already 20, 20 plus years ago, including everything in the supply chain. So how to put that box together, how to test it, how to how to configure it, how to package it, chip it, make it go through customs, and so on. So it was really, really good. And uh, I would say I have stayed in this area because I, I think it's very interesting and challenging. Absolutely agree. You mentioned that we both got to know each other at HP. Why did you decide to leave HP and found Eastline and then later ConfigAir? Uh, well, uh, it's more. Uh, it was more about basically living the configuration process in the trenches like uh, at wartime meaning i was at some point responsible for a team of people doing what's called modeling uh, creating the data that uh, runs the configurator uh, with all the rules and all the constraints and and uh, and so on and realized that it is hard work uh, and these people are underappreciated and uh, they could use some tools And so that was one of the reasons why uh, I got together with a, with a couple of partners back. This was 2005-06, so quite some time back, and looking at productivity tools and improvements. So how do we help these so-called knowledge engineers or product modelers? How do we help them get an, a better control of changes, a uh, better overview of their product? How do we help them move uh, the product data from one system to another? So that, that was a bit uh, uh, the challenge back then. I, and I think it's still a challenge these days, only that um, uh, the data has become more complex and customers are asking for more options. So, 
No, absolutely agree. It hasn't gotten much easier, it seems like. Uh, now, but you founded Configure a little while ago, right? So what are you right. most proud of right yes. now? With? Yes, thank you. Actually, I, you know, I, this, this was about eSpline, so the productivity tools and modeling environment improvements. But then uh, Configure, this is going back about eight years now. And um, uh, if I use like an automotive analogy uh, with Eastline, we were kind of in the workshop back in the service uh, shop area, working on the engines and the tools and, and such. But the real opportunity and the real uh, gap in what the, what the customers were expecting and not getting was in the front of the store, in the showroom, right? So, um, uh, and what I mean by that is we we were looking at how to create a nicer, a more memorable, engaging user experience when when the customer comes to uh, to us and wants to have a product customized to their wishes. That includes spe special user experience, user interfaces, and and these days all kinds of other technology like visualization and so on. And um, and that that is why about eight eight years now. We looked at that as, a, as an opportunity area that's going to grow, and man, has it grown, right? So these days, it's very important for almost any industry. Uh, if, if you're a, a customer uh, manufacturing a certain type of product or providing certain kind of service, is how do you engage your customer in the most memorable and also productive way? Yeah, and, and that's very much true. So, and that brings up the next question, right? There have been many changes lately. So, if, if you're talking about artificial intelligence, if you're talking about visualization, right? Or if you're talking about industry 4.0 things, what do you think is the most exciting thing that's happening right now? Uh, for us, uh, it's kind of the convergence of what I would think of as natural interaction with a very, very complex systems. Uh, all of us these days, we, we, or many of us here uh, in North America, we have home assistants like Google or Alexa. And it seems perfectly natural to us that you would just ask it something and it will tell you back a, a pretty sensible answer. And, um, and, and if with configuration, it's very similar, right? We would want to get to some kind of a natural interaction with the configuration system that includes seeing the product as you're configuring it. That includes maybe some natural language interface. And, and these days, the other thing that's really kind of getting into the mix and is very popular is data and, and, and really quite complex analytics behind the scenes that would only help you enhance the experience, maybe give you some recommendations, maybe give you some some choices or some guidance. And all these coming together, plus uh, I think in our industry in particular, when we're talking about visualization and 3D and gamification, uh, the hardware has progressed so much that uh, things are possible today that only 10 years ago we had a really hard time doing in terms of visual experiences. And, uh, and it's a really exciting time. Absolutely agree. Now, there are a lot of CPQ influencers around and you have been in this area for a very long time, right? So uh, who, who, do, who are you listening to these days? Who is providing you some insights that you think is worth sharing with our listeners here? Uh, I would uh, say that uh, I actually draw on a more of a community of people in this area. And uh, the main one is called Configuration Workgroup or uh, I think the full name is SAP, Configuration Workgroup, and we'll talk about SAP, I'm sure, in, in, a, in a little bit. But, but even, if you're, uh, even if you're just interested in configuration for its own sake and you're not an SAP customer, 
I think there's a number of people involved in this group that are uh, good to good influencers and thinkers. So among them, for example, I would uh, name Albert Haag, who originally is one of the architects of the SAP configurator, SAP being the enterprise uh, resource planning system that most of the planet actually runs on. And so he was one of the fathers of the configurator uh, there. And he's still active, uh, very, very much so, and in influencing in, in mostly in the research area. So his latest, latest papers are on the use of uh, C-tuples or you know, configuration combination uh, representation and table compression. So very, very interesting technical uh, aspects and, and research articles. And then there are others in the, in the SAP configuration work group that I would recommend that, that people do listen to. But by the easiest way to get there would be just to go in your browser to www.configuration-workgroup.com and you can learn more. Excellent. Now, and I think it's a very helpful group. Hey, Daniel, before we go and I ask you some more questions about Configure, I want to do something that I know a lot of listeners like and is learn a little bit more about you as a person. We talked a lot about uh, CPQ so far already, but tell us uh, uh, if you don't work with CPQ, how do you prefer to spend your spare time? <laughs> as if I had any. Uh, so, you, you know, Frank, you know, the, I am, the, I would say, a multifaceted person. I try to do too many things and accomplish too little. Uh, that, that's my usual problem. But uh, I have so many activities that I dabble in, you know, from, from guitar playing to outdoors to uh, drawing and, uh, and traveling and most recently family activities. And so, so um, uh, it's, it's, it's harder to pinpoint a particular thing. Excellent. But I see you still keep busy like always. So excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then let, let's go ahead. Uh, let me ask some questions about configure. Tell our listeners, please, in a couple of sentences, what configure does. Uh, so what we do is really, we focus on the configure to order user experience. Uh, and if you think about it, and if you just pause for a little bit, every day we interact with configuration of all kinds and all, all sorts. You go pick up your coffee at Starbucks, you're in a configuration experience. You're going to um, a shop and you're looking at some products uh, and they don't have exactly the size or the style uh, there. Uh, you are going through a configuration experience with that vendor. You're purchasing a car, you're, you're planning your trip someplace. All of these uh, are configuration experiences, right? And, um, and what we try to do is we try to help customers, uh, in our case, our customers, uh, who, who provide either services or products that are complex or configurable, we provide to build experiences around those. And so one of the things I'm really, really proud of is that we being a specialist company in this area, we have been able to work across a number of different, very, very different industries. So from uh, things in your home, doors, windows, bathrooms, uh, to um, furniture, uh, and then moving on from there to more engineering products like pumps, automobiles, air, aircraft, uh, and all the way to high-tech. So computers or computer systems, data center configurations. And um, all of this is actually configuration. So uh, I think the, uh, the sky's the limit here in terms of uh, uh, the ability to help different industries with, uh, with such experiences. And that's probably what I'm also most, uh, most happy about is that we've been able to touch uh, on uh, such a ver wide variety of, of products. And so uh, as an example, you know, we, we, 
some pieces of that have been configured using our software are flying with SpaceX in their rocket ships. You know, we have uh, we have uh, vehicles that are being configured that are shown at auto car shows around the world, uh, and and private jets kind of uh, their interior configuration. It's really really interesting and and engaging for us as a, as a company, meaning for all of my colleagues and myself. But I hope most of all it's engaging to the customer who's facing these tools. Yeah. And I think you did some excellent jobs on, on these uh, uh, examples that you brought up. But how important are the visualization capabilities for the customers that you mentioned? Because you are very much focused on visualization now, right? So and when we yes. talk about visualization, let's be a little bit more specific when we talk 2D, 3D, AR, VR, and what you think about it. Uh, well, uh, we see that 2D has always been there. What I mean by that is either pre-created bitmap images, but more importantly, what has staying power is drawings, engineering drawings with dimensions, with some schematic icons added at the right places, uh, connection information between different products. Uh, we see that as continuing to be asked for. So uh, an example would be if you're buying a window, uh, you are actually configuring the precise dimensions of the opening in the wall, how many sashes or how many opening, how many windows, actually their window panes are there in the window, and all the dimensions of all the specific pieces, including the handles and, and the hardware and so on, all have to be drawn. And typically it's drawn using like a like an engineering drawing with, with dimensions and such. So that continues to be uh, asked for a lot. Uh, what we see, of course, much more these days uh, is 3D, 3D visualization. And you, as a consumer, you, of course, understand this. If you go to any uh, car configurator uh, these days online, you would likely see a migration from a two-dimensional picture where you can see the product only from one or a few predefined angles to a 3D where you can see it from any angle you wish. And that, that, that goes towards that immersive experience. And, but it's not only for kind of desirable objects like an automobile. It, it, it can be also very helpful for engineering purposes. If you're looking at uh, a given component that is later part of a larger solution, it could be in the building industry or in the industrial machinery space, uh, it's important to see what the exterior envelope of that product is. How big is it? Where does it have parts that stick to the sides or to the bottom? And uh, where does it have ports that need to be connected to by other uh, products? And that also benefits from visualization. So we see 2D and 3D. And you also ask about AR and VR. Of course, you know, we're uh, at least uh, some of my colleagues and admittedly myself, we are kind of geeks at heart. So we, we like to look at all these new exciting technologies and try them out. Uh, we think that AR and VR are, are still uh, maturing and there is a lot happening on the hardware front and uh, a lot still to come, I think, on taking the, the, the potential that that hardware has and making it real in a, in a sales scenario. Uh, and I would say the disclaimer there is that um, I am a bit more old school um, in this and I like to interact with people. And, and many, uh, many of us have that. Um, uh, let's say, uh, inclination to, if you have the option to speak with a person about your needs, it creates a, a different experience 
than if you are with a headset seeing a virtual world. But it's true that the generation that's come after us, Frank, right? We are no longer uh, millennials. Uh, they have a different expectations. For them, it's perfectly fine not to interact sometimes with a person and express their needs and their requirements to a system or to a game character, right? And, and that kind of interaction is definitely coming. We haven't seen it with our customers yet, but it's coming. Learn more about CPQ today. We have two offerings you probably want to know about. First, we have a free resource, our CPQ Circle community, which offers CPQ knowledge, CPQ-specific industry knowledge, and CPQ-specific best practices, as well as CPQ job opportunities. Leading CPQ firms, system integrators, thought leaders, customers, and researchers add content here. Check it out today at www.novocpq.com. Go to Resources and then select CPQ Circle Community. Second, we have a paid monthly subscription that keeps you up to date with the global CPQ market. If you are a CPQ vendor, system integrator or a large customer with multiple CPQ systems, you don't want to miss this. Go to www.novocpq.com, look for services and select subscriptions to learn more. Now, let me ask a different question, and that's, um, you work almost exclusively with SAP, right? So tell us why you focus on that solution, and if your products can also work with other solutions, like, for example, Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics. Yeah, so uh, I wish, if you are not an SAP customer, that you're not going to hang up now and not listen to the rest of the conversation. But uh, our focus has been with SAP, and, and why? It's because SAP is the dominant ERP vendor, and uh, uh, that means most of the, uh, the world's production of various kinds of goods somehow touches SAP along its uh, life cycle. And uh, we, we have been focusing on, on customers who use SAP because it is such an enormous ecosystem and such an enormous product that sometimes you do not even know what you already have as a customer. And uh, uh, SAP has had a configurator in its standard product since the mid-90s. It's a configurator that's free of charge. It's, it's there. It's part of the SAP ERP backend. And uh, it works extremely well. And, but most people don't even know this. And uh, then they go out and look for other third-party configurators and um, some of those you mentioned. And, um, and, and it's not always the best way forward. And so our uh, approach is to uh, actually tell customers that oftentimes it's good to, to look at what you already have and try to do as much what you can with the data model and the data structures that already run your company today. What that means is you already have order management system and a production system and a planning system. And if you are an SAP customer, all of these are inside one platform. And then that includes pricing, that includes product information and rules and such. And then our approach is not to say all that is good, but it's all back end. We don't want to look at it. It's the ugly stuff. No, no, it's actually the beautiful stuff. It, it's, it's what runs your business. It's what described your product. So we help our customers to take that data as it exists in their ERP system and use it for the sales scenario. 
without translation, without double entry, without uh, risk of uh, having inconsistencies. And uh, the SAP being a very strategically focused on building efficient processes, right? Ever since the, uh, the, the big boom of SAP in the mid-90s, uh, they have already taken that approach back then. That when you're looking at the sales configurator, it should be something that could be derived based on the data that happens and runs your backend. And our approach is to do just that. And, um, and then what we do add on top uh, to this very good and uh, robust SAP configurator, we add the user experience and the user interface. And that's one of the reasons why we have kind of stayed in this area because there is a number of companies uh, that are excellent candidates for doing configured-to-order products. They might today have thousands or hundreds of thousands in some cases of stockable unit material numbers in their system because they did not know that their SAP system already came with the capability to do configure to order 20 years ago. And so, and so it's, it's a market that's, uh, that's certainly uh, been keeping us busy and, um, and we will continue to do so. Now, uh, to answer your question, could we work with other uh, enterprise systems? Certainly. Uh, and we do that on, on occasion with some customers who have either homegrown uh, data sources or homegrown uh, uh, e-commerce systems, uh, that's no problem at all. Uh, but our, uh, let's say, main focus is on helping customers who already have SAP uh, take the maximum benefit of their, uh, of their purchase and platform. Makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, you, you've done this for 20 years, as we mentioned now a couple of times, right? Uh, when you look back and, and think about the key lessons you've learned that surprised you now, only two or three, what, what would you think of? That's a good question. You know, uh, I think the first learning I have is configuration is hard. And it's best to give it to people who know your products the best or your services the best. Uh, it's not one of those activities you can easily outsource offshore uh, or if you do, you will pay the price. And so that's, I think, a key learning that I do stress to all customers is that do not underestimate the importance of getting the product information correct and keep it in the hands of your best people. Put the best people on the job. That's one of the learnings. And the other learning is um, oftentimes configuration doesn't really have a home in a company. What I mean by that is you have R&D, engineering, product marketing, sales, uh, it's functional. And configuration cuts across all these functions, right? Because um, when it comes to defining what options are important for, for a customer, sales wants to have a say in that discussion. When it comes to how do these options get produced, manufactured, procured, then you have engineering and manufacturing involved. And so it's, a, it's kind of like a cross-functional effort and that many companies are not ready for for it because they they are siloed and they have their engineering, sales, and other departments talking to each other in a way that seems most efficient to them. That means exchanging as little information as possible, right? So they just agree on that's the product number that that we're selling. Perfect. We're going to manufacture it. But no, that's not enough for product configuration. You need to be talking about the whole configuration experience. And so this was a long way of answering maybe the second big learning in my 20 years of dealing with CPQ and configuration as a topic is uh, companies that succeed uh, usually start 
with setting up some kind of a configuration, a governance council, or sometimes you might call it a steering committee. Uh, and what that is, is a group of people that gets together regularly and uh, they are best if they are from different functions within the company. And their goal is to work together on how can you actually create a richer and more in-depth and uh, immersive experience for a customer that purchases your product and give them all the options they want. And, uh, and once you have that set up, the rest follows. But the organizational challenge is probably the second biggest learning, is, is that if you are able to set this up, then uh, I don't want to say necessarily, but sooner or later, good results will follow. Excellent. I like it. And I think it's very good advice. Now, one thing I want to ask you also, is, especially for customers, there's a lot of uh, CPQ tools on the market right now, right? Over 100. And there are well over 20 solutions which uh, look at visualizations or probably even more by now. If you talk to your customers how your solution is different, what do you tell them? What, what, what do you do different or better than your competitors? What we focus on uh, these days is... The, I think the growing segment of high-fidelity visualization. What I mean by that is really lifelike product visualization. And uh, it makes a lot of sense for any consumer-facing industries. And um, uh, there uh, we are benefiting enormously from investments done by others in gaming and in um, artificial intelligence. Uh, so I would say... Uh, This is one area that differentiates us. We really focus on the on the high fidelity rendering capability. We do have all the other ones I mentioned earlier, like drawing generation and and a th a lightweight 3D uh, visualization. But I think what differentiates us these days is the really the high end. And um, and the the other I think potential uh, differentiation point is that our uh, approach to visualization is the same as you and I have been dealing with for 20 years with configuration. It's very important that your, that your visualization system is not built and coded by hand as a, as a custom solution. It's important to look at the visualization rules as data. And that data lives its own life on a platform that's able to handle the data, but it changes all the time. Change is inevitable. So we, we'd rather embrace it rather than fight it. And so what I mean by that is that our approach is that all of the visualization rules hand in hand with configuration are two different data flows going through the our architecture, but they are data. And th what that means is, is that if the customer decides from one day to the next that they would like to change how a certain configuration option gets visualized, they should be able to do this as quickly and as, as efficiently as they do today when they want to introduce a new configuration option. Excellent. Love it. And I think maintenance is something that's very important for each and every customer, as we both know, right? Hence my uh, just one follow-up question. Are you doing anything specific to simplify the maintenance for the users? Uh, we provide a special language for visualization rules. Uh, now, I don't want to scare your listeners with this, <laughs> uh, but I do want to set the expectation is that if you are building a system that is on the surface really convenient and really uh, creates a wonderful user experience, there is some heavy lifting going on behind the scenes. And there must be, right? Yeah. If, it, if it is so compelling and yet seems simple, 
somebody has put the thought and the hard work and the blood, sweat and tears into building the, the capability that is behind that beautiful user interface. And the visualization um, rule writing is one of those. And so when we looked at this area, um, we realized, oh, it wouldn't do if we just said visualization is just another coding activity, right? A developer somewhere in the basement is given uh, some task to work on and then they need to do this. Uh, no, that it actually needs its own expressive language of saying what needs to happen when. And that language should be ideally more functional and more at the level where a person that um, is, uh, like the knowledge engineer I mentioned earlier, comfortable with expressing configuration and product rules, they could do that for the visualization as well. And possibly do it at the very same time, right? So as they are developing a new product that a company is offering, they should be able to develop the visualization rules as well. And uh, and that's been that's been our approach, and I think that that's what differentiates us somewhat. But I can't speak to all the other 20-plus solutions, so I didn't know there were so many. <laughs> so, <but laughs> Excellent, Daniel. I think we could keep going here for quite some time without any problems, but we're coming to the end of this episode. And so I recommend all our listeners that are interested in SAP CPU and visualization to have a look at what Config Air has to offer. If anyone has specific question, what is the best way to follow up with you? Uh, the best would be to just write to our uh, mailbox. It's info at configair.com, and uh, that will find its way to me. And I would like to put in a plug for the upcoming CWG conference in the U.S. It's happening from October 7th to 9th in St. Louis. And that is the community of uh, configuration professionals uh, working primarily with SAP, but these days there's a lot of CPQ content being discussed as well. And so if you're either an SAP customer or you're an ex um, or previously Calidus uh, customer, uh, this is an excellent uh, event to attend. And I will be there, of course, and I, um, I would also encourage you to attend. Perfect. D Daniel, thank you very much again. Oh, you're most welcome, Frank. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone.